Hello, everyone, and welcome again to Battleground PA. This is Joyce Davis, PenLive's opinion editor and host of Battleground PA. Today, I'll be joined by our usual Democratic political analyst, Rajette Harris, and Republican political pundit, Jeffrey Lord. We'll be talking about two main issues, the winnowing of the Democratic contenders for the presidency and the continuing dramatic controversy over the impeachment of President Donald Trump. So please stay tuned. We'll be right back with some scintillating conversation. This is Battleground PA, a PenLive podcast discussing the issues that matter to Pennsylvanians and documenting the events in our state that will shape the battle for your vote in the 2020 presidential elections. Well, welcome back. It seems like it's been a long time, Rajette. And Jeffrey, how are you doing, first off? Good. How are you? <laughs> Good. Cold. Cold. Yes, it is cold. Yes, it is cold. You've had a little bit of a break. We've given you a rest, so you should be fired up and energized and ready to go right we about are. now. Okay. Well, listen, we've got two important things to talk about. I want to first step in and talk about the Democrats. And then we're going to move to what is going on now in the Senate with the impeachment trial of President Donald Trump. But let's start. In the past few weeks, we've seen people drop out of, as you know, in the Democratic lineup there for presidency. And it's a little unfair to Rochette, but as today, CNN is out there with something saying Hillary Clinton is throwing some uh, fireworks into this thing, saying she won't support Bernie Sanders because he's a difficult person. What do you say, Rochette? What is it? First of all, let's start. What is going on with the Democratic lineup? How do things look? It's fluid. Uh, We even saw uh, yesterday, I kind of think the New York Times endorsing both uh, Senators Elizabeth Warren and Amy uh, Klobuchar kind of sums it up. We have two very different parts of the party. We have the moderate side. We have the progressive side. And both are trying to be the leaders of the Democrat Party, and we have to see which one comes out on top. I still think it's fluid. If Iowa was tomorrow, I honestly couldn't say uh, who would win. The latest Iowa poll had uh, Bernie Sanders ahead. But as we know, the one last week had someone else ahead. (laughs) (laughs) So um, it's going to be interesting to see who comes up on top. Personally, I think the Democrat Party needs to shake up and change the lineup of the states, I do agree with Secretary Julian Castro in that sense. Um, but I also think that we could have three or four different winners. You which, mean in each one of the primaries, somebody the could states, yeah. Which brings yeah. in then former Mayor Bloomberg. That's what he's counting on. So then on Super Tuesday, where 40% of the delegates are up for grabs, then he can make his mark and um, possibly be the nominee. So I honestly can't say what's going to happen. Well, we're going to come back to that. But now I want to bring Jeffrey. And Jeffrey, when you're looking at this as somebody who wants to make sure Trump gets another four more years. I smile. You smile. You <laughs> t- Tell me why you smile. What's going on there? Well, I mean, I think Rogette has, has hit it exactly. Mm-hmm. Forget the personalities involved. There is a schism here in the Democratic Party between the establishment and the progressive wing. I noticed in the last 24 hours or so, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez said something to the effect, and I'm paraphrasing here, that the Democratic Party is really not a left party, that it's, it's, it's more of a centrist party or, or even, in, from her point of view, a right party, which boggles really? my mind. A right bog- party, okay. Boggles my mind a little bit, but from her perspective, sure. 
and and she is one. Well, of some the, might argue everything's right from her perspective. I'm just yeah. <laughs> I mean, but from her perspective, yeah. uh, it's not left enough. Right. And, and right. I really do think that that's the. I mean, yeah, I, but but, when Jeff, you, but listen, this. She says shake up. Trump shook up the Republican Party. Right. Maybe, I mean, think about it. Maybe America really is in the mood for shakeup everywhere. Oh, I think that's true. I think that's true. I think that's why Donald Trump is president in the first place. So this is catching up with the Democratic Party. I honestly don't think they're going to win this year. But I do think that this is part of an evolution so that four years from now, they will have coalesced around a major figure. This battle will have been decided uh-huh. one way or another. And uh, they'll go forward and with that. And that, that kind of happened with the Republicans. Because I, yes. we were looking, the Republicans were split. What are they? Are they going here? Are they going there? But somehow Trump reined it all in and kind of with a stern, right. iron hand. I mean, you got to admit, it's, it's, it's pulled and, people you know, in. And, you know, historically speaking, this is what happens with American political parties. Hmm. I mean, the Democratic Party had a long losing streak in the 1920s. And along comes Franklin Roosevelt, who totally remade the Democratic Party. And then years later, JFK comes along and does it again. Ronald Reagan has, you know, did it. But what do they all have in common? They had bold ideas. Right. That they pushed. That's right. And I think that's what the Democrat Party is wrestling with right now. What are the um, bold, bold ideas? What could they be? Well, both. Uh, one uh, another thing, though, too, is both sides for the Democrats to win. And um, I do think that. It's going to be 50-50. I'm not one of those Democrats that say that whoever runs against President Trump is going to win. We're going to have to fight for this. But I think the ticket is going to have to be balanced out, meaning if we have a progressive at the top, we're going to need a moderate voice in the VP slot or vice versa, because both sides want to be heard, and both sides feel as though the other side is ignoring them. Mm. You're right. The Trump-Pence ticket was the Republican version of that. The Reagan-Bush ticket mm. was the, mm. the version of that. I mean, I just think Lyndon Johnson as, as JFK's running mate, you know, the old establishment Democratic Party w- with the new wave and the new right. candidate and all that. that. I think you're absolutely right. That's what you have to do. The question is, is it doable? Is and it, it all yeah. depends on the passions of the moment. And and, and I have to tell you, I mean— I, I think he's right, and I think you agree. There's a split in the party. You're trying to make your way to figure out what it's going to be. You're looking for that dynamic leader, that charisma, and those bold ideas to come together. So far, they haven't. Are you worried? Are you scared? I mean, what are we going to do if we can't get uh, – I mean, here's the other thing. You all agree you got to get uh, African Americans, women like me, and others fired up. Who's firing us up in the Democratic Party? Who's doing it? Well, right now it's Trump. <laughs> okay, good point. Right now it's Trump. <laughs> but with, with but that, is that said, enough? But with that said, even uh, DNC Chairman Perez said uh, just a couple years ago that black women are the backbone of the Democratic Party. And as we all see, um, we started off with such a diverse group of candidates and things are going back to business as usual. Well, here's and the thing. Are they going could... back too much a bit? Because a lot of people are complaining. You started out with a very diverse feel, and now look at it. And a part of that is, and I, I want to bring up Secretary uh, Julian Castro again, is that having two of the most non-diverse states kind of dictate the tone of the endorsement process doesn't benefit candidates of color. Let's shake it up. Because when you go to South Carolina, when you go to even, I would argue, here in Pennsylvania, 
the numbers change a little bit more because it's more diverse. Oh, so you're saying the fact that it starts in Iowa really has hurt the the chances of a minority candidate staying in that field or or, or emer- uh, rising to the top. Well, that was part of the rules with the DNC that you had to register a certain percentage points yeah. to even participate in the in the debates. And a lot of those states that were used are states that aren't as diverse in the very beginning. On the, on the other hand, didn't Barack Obama win Iowa? Yeah. In 2008? That's a good one. Uh, over yep. Hillary. He did. But, you know, I get a little sick of tired of saying because we had – to me, that's the same as, oh – I'm not prejudiced. I have a black friend. My neighbor's black. I mean, and I'm just saying to have one person of color over 200 year history is not it's is not enough. I agree. Candace you Owens know? for president. <laughs> All right. And you know, um, President Obama. Yes, he's African American, but he did have an advantage of being biracial, whereas he was able to show both sides and appeal to both sides, and I think that helped him as well. In, in truth, I have to say. I just think we shouldn't be doing this at all. I, I mean, I just think candidates should be accepted or rejected on the basis of their ideas and not what they look like. No, I but- agree with that. But at the same time, you and I are different. We have experiences based on who we are. You know, we can't choose who we are. This is how we are born. But when you don't have people from those different life experiences part of the conversation, you lose out on a lot. That's yeah, it's why not it's just, good to it's have It's not diversity. just the color thing, is, as she's saying. It's really what you bring to the table, your experiences, right. your perspectives. They're all shaped by sometimes by race and by class and by, by where gender, you live. By gender, by age. You know, you, we are different. And it's fun talking to you, Jeffrey, because you are so different. You know, there's, there's, two, <laughs> you know, there's two main analogies. You have the melting pot and you have the salad. I personally prefer the salad analogy. And I'm the melting pot. To the melting pot. And the reason why is I like the differences. I like the different parts of a salad. That's what oh, makes well, it. I, yeah. Versus sometimes we have the melting pot, like the restaurant, you know, with the fondue. You miss some of the ingredients in it because it's all blended together. And I think as America, we are that salad, but we need to start appreciating the different parts of it and listening to each other. And that's what we're missing. We all think we're both sides think they're right. They think they have all the answers. And there's not enough listening to the different experiences that we all have that make America so great. I always liked what President Reagan said. He would say, you can go to Germany, but you can't become a German. You can move to Britain and can't become English. You can move to France and you'll never be French. But anybody can come to America and be an American because this is based on ideas, mm-hmm. not on nationality, race, etc. Well, that, and that should never. But be. you're treated differently depending at times on your race, ethnicity, and whether you're born here, whether you're not, whether you're. Your gender. I mean, we talk about raising a minimum wage, uh, that women are paid less than men. Depending on what race of women you are, you're paid even less. So we can't ignore those aspect of things when we talk about those type especially, of issues. Especially, I will say, if we've had, unfortunately, in this country, a system that discriminated right. legally against groups of people, right. including against African-Americans right. and others. So those things. But anyway, we've, 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 I think we've had a full discussion of why race is an issue. But Back to the Democratic Party. You, you guys have um, in some criticism that you're not as diverse as you started out. Okay, we've talked about that. Now let's, let's talk about this woman thing. <laughs> Let me just ask you, can a woman be elected president? I mean, what is that about? How did that come up? How are we dealing with that issue now when Hillary did prove to be the top vote-getter? Well, I was about to say it's, it's a woman that won the popular vote in mm-hmm. 2016. 
So yes, a woman can win. Of course, like with any candidate, it has to be the right woman. Right. But right. yes, a woman can, but can definitely But I want to ask, win. how did that issue come up? I mean, was that, I mean, honestly, let's just talk about it. Was that something that Elizabeth Warren planted so that we would have this discussion? Or did Bernie really say that and really think that? You, you know, know, I mean, all, how did it come up? All it's, I can say is I saw a clip of a much younger Bernie Sanders looking earnestly in the camera and saying a woman could be president. I, I mean, I don't know when this was, but his hair was dark and he was much younger and all that kind of thing. So I, I am just sort of... Although it's not out of the question, Jeffrey, for someone to muse and to discuss, especially if you're having the kind of intellectual conversations that I'm sure they're having. Well, right. think about it. This, the way this climate is, you know, a woman can't... I don't think they'll vote for a woman president. I could hear someone with a good heart making that kind of statement. Don't, couldn't you, Roger? I think it's a shame we don't know the context right. of that conversation. Right. Exactly. Because, and we never will. <laughs> right. Because <laughs> even now when we speak about all the candidates on the Democratic side, it's who's most likely, who's best to go up against President Trump? Who's best to win? We have a lot of voters who are choosing candidates based on not the fact that they're their favorite, but the fact they think they're best able to beat him. So, again, it would have been nice to have had the context of that conversation. And I think the issue for the Democrats on the other side who – are looking at how to beat Trump is you don't want to get someone else who's dishonest. and right, I mean, what's the point, whether a dishonest Democrat or a dishonest Republican? You want someone of character and integrity, right? You're trying to get in there. Yes. Well, and one of the things I'd add is, uh, I'll say this for Hillary Clinton, she she had considerable stature. Uh, I mean, she she was an accomplished attorney. I mean, you can agree or disagree with her, like her, not like her, but she was an accomplished attorney. She'd been very involved in events as a private citizen. Uh, then as a governor's wife and the first lady, and then she's a senator, and then she's secretary of state and all this kind of thing. She proved herself. Uh, she proved herself, exactly. I mean, I, I don't agree with her, but my, <laughs> no. my, my point is— But my you point can is, see that she's I, a person I, right. of character, and, right? And I just think that that, in general, when people go to elect a president, they're looking for somebody like that. I mean, yeah. Ronald Reagan yeah. fit that bill. I mean, it's not a partisan type of thing. And I just honestly think it— this exact moment in time, Democrats don't have anybody in this field that appears to be that. But I would keep my eye on Mayor Pete in mm. the future because mm -hmm. I don't think he's going to win this. But I think he could be the next, what, governor or senator from Indiana and, and have a longer record. And then that would be a different a, a different ball. Game. I'm going to come back to talk about Mayor Pete, but I want to stay with Hillary for a, yeah. for a little bit. In that, we do have information coming out that there's some documentary that uh, she has been quoted as really coming down hard on Bernie Sanders, saying that he's a difficult person. I mean, there's all kinds of allegations that he really was a do-nothing throughout much of his career. That's what she's saying. So the question I'm asking you is, I mean, you can dismiss Hillary as she ran, and she, but having a person of her stature and character coming out like this, to, to attack Bernie Sanders, is that helping your, your uh, Democratic Party right now? No, it doesn't help. Um, I do think there are probably still some hard feelings from 2016. Um, some people don't think um, that Bernie and his supporters hopped on board to support her as quickly as they may have, should have. So I do think there's some hard feelings. Also, there's a lot of Bernie supporters who voted green or stayed home that year because they didn't get what they want wanted. Um, and I think there's some concerns that might happen again this year if mm -hmm. Bernie is not the nominee. You're, you're absolutely right. And I, and I think I've told her this before, but I'll say it again in this context. 
going to the Democratic Convention in 2016, I walked in, somebody recognized me from TV, came over. She was a delegate from Indiana, a Bernie delegate. She was livid mm, and yeah. said there were no circumstances in which she would go back to Indiana and lift a finger for Hillary Clinton. I think that that sentiment is so she lifted a finger for Trump instead. Well, right by not by not. I mean, you know, know, that's what happened. And the question that I had immediately to myself was, well, that's interesting. But how many people are there like that out there? Are there enough? And the answer, I think you you hit it. There were enough. Difference between Republicans and Democrats, because look at your Cruises and your Lindsey Graham's. Back then, four years, right. like three years ago, and look at them now. Right. That's one of the biggest difference between the two parties. And there's a hashtag right now on Twitter, vote blue no matter who. As much as I wish that was true, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, feel, I sound like Dr. Seuss right now, but <laughs> it's unfortunately um, not going to happen. Um, we are definitely going to have to earn every vote, Democrat, independent, or whatnot. Well, I hate to break up this wonderful conversation, but we're going to have to break, take a break right now. We didn't get to Mayor Pete. We may find a chance to come back to him. But when we come back, we really want to focus on the impeachment trial in the Senate. So let's break and I'll see you shortly. Welcome back. If you'd like to comment, please send us a message at Battleground PA on Twitter or Facebook. And please make sure you subscribe and rate us wherever you get your podcasts. That was quite a discussion over what's going on with the Democrats. It's a um, little bit of turmoil, but I, I guess they'll work it out. Oh, this is kind of good, this kind of turmoil. You were going to say something about Mayor Pete, though. And my concern, Mayor Pete, is that he does seem to be, he doesn't, does he seem to really have the stature in that crowd of folks? That not not at this moment. No, yeah. no, no. I think this is a, if you will, future star mm. of the Democratic Party. Mm-hmm. I, and this is just the natural political So process. he's somebody you'd be afraid of. So, yeah, I mean, in four years or, or eight years, yeah, I can, I can see mm. where he could have quite the following. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Well, let's talk about someone who does have a following. That's President Donald Trump. Yes. All right. He's got a following and we're I all I believe you're right. We're watching what's <laughs> happening to him. We know the president has been impeached or as our as Nancy Pelosi says that's history now, right? That it's forever and ever amen. But now we're looking at another set of circumstances in the Senate. Now, what we've just come out I was uh talking to you a little bit earlier to tell you that CNN has a new poll out that says 51% of American people, or at least the people polled, we always have to be clear about that, say the Senate should remove Trump from office. And they are saying, even amongst Republicans, apparently it's about 48% say they want to hear witnesses, and 44% say they do not. Now, for our listeners in this, I'm sure you know that the whole issue is whether they're going to take evidence and listen to witnesses. But what are your thoughts on this, Jeffrey? Well, first of all, the House, the House is the problem here, and that they, you know, went out of their way to deny the president a lawyer. They held meetings in secret. They did all of this kind of thing, and really gave the proceeding a bad name. And now they're trying to say, "Oh well, well now we need witnesses." I don't know whether that's going to happen, but I do think that if if there is a an agreement for witnesses. You are, in fact, going to see Hunter and maybe Joe Biden on that list and the whistleblower and even, to my great enjoyment, 
Adam Schiff. Aha, okay. Well, now let's talk about uh, uh, Rajet. Do you agree that the House has screwed this whole thing up and that they didn't want to hear witnesses themselves? I mean, that's kind of what uh, Jeffrey was saying. Well, no. I mean, the House did um, offer uh, the president and his legal team to come um, and testify before the Congress during that time, which they, you know, refused. And now the Senate is doing, for argument's sake, let's say you're correct, that the House was wrong, that they were partisan, um, that was all a Democratic maneuver. Then as Republicans, what you think they would want to show the American people how it should be done instead of making their process just as, if not even more partisan, <laughs> I mean, you know, than you what know, they're uh, accusing the Democrats of that, doing. That, to me, that's a good point, because if it were me, you know, if I were on trial, I'd want to bring as many people forward, right, to say Joyce is a good person. She's a good host for Battleground PA. What is that about? Why won't he just bring folks to, to testify in his favor? Well, I think if they're going to do it, then he's he wants, uh, you know, the, the kind of people that I listed and Democrats are going to resist it. But they're not going to testify in his favor. Hunter Biden is going to say whatever it is about Hunter Biden. He's not, I'm talking about people who will testify in favor of the president. I do think that there is a legitimate argument about executive privilege, that this president and every other president has protected fiercely. And to say that this president is guilty of withholding people when really what he's doing from his point of view is upholding executive privilege I, I just think that's not well, going to yeah, fly. Well, yeah, it could be. It may not fly, though. I guess with average people, here's one of the things that I, I'm concerned about that I see here. Not that I'm concerned one way or the other whether President Trump, you know, uh, does well with these. But it does seem like public opinion is shifting against him. If if this is a sign, it is saying that, I mean, when you look down here, nearly six in 10 women, 59 percent of women say the Senate should remove Trump from office. Forty two percent of men agree with that. Among African-Americans, who I pay attention to, 86% say Trump should be removed. And uh, it drops a little bit, 65% among Hispanics and 42% among whites. But, you know, uh, I guess here's what we were always concerned before that, okay, yeah, they can impeach him, but it's going to backfire. The voters are going to think they railroaded him. But if we have a, a, a procedure in the Senate that it looks like, Fairness isn't at play. Is that going to be a problem for President Trump and for those in the, and those senators who seem to be railroading this? I, I, I don't think so. I, I think if, if any Republican votes to impeach him, mm -hmm. uh, I think they are going to – their reelection – I mean the base as it were. I mean he's got a – depending on the poll, 86 to 90-something uh, approval rating with Republicans. They're pretty – why would this? I mean, you sure well, that I hasn't I, changed? I, yeah, because, I, yeah. Mean, we, I, I, I frankly just don't believe the poll. I mean, you don't I, believe I, it. Okay. I, I think a lot of these polls. I mean, let's remember. I mean, my favorite example of this was the New York Times, the morning of the election in 2016, running a piece that said Hillary Clinton had an 85 percent chance to be president by the end of the day. It didn't happen that way, and one poll after another was wrong. So you just reject so, this poll. But I, generally, we look at these polls not necessarily with specificity, you know, but as a trend to kind of look and see where things are going. Rajette? Well, the poll that interests me the most is the one that came out I saw this morning that almost 70 percent of Americans polled think that there should be witnesses in the trial. And 
we're focusing a lot on the presidential race, which we should. But to me, I think that's the poll that Mitch McConnell and Republican senators should be most concerned about. Because there are there are other elections this year, and that includes Congress and the U.S. Right. Senate, and the Democrats are not too far off on having the majority in the Senate. One thing I will say about McConnell is he's been very upfront uh, that he's been working with the Trump administration, that he's working with their legal team to set the rules, <laughs> which were released right. this morning. But, that. You, well, but you know, if if I was arrested right now. I hope I have the opportunity to set the <laughs> right. the rules I of, come of bail my you own out. trial. <laughs> <laughs> Jeffrey, be right there for you. But Jeffrey, really, talk about that. I mean, you're you're a decent person. Come on, you know when you first of all, there's some concern that he said there would be trial similar uh, rules similar to those that were conducted in Clinton. That seems to be changing. The the fact that on it, I mean, this is something that's being looked at not only by Republicans but by Democrats by the whole country. Does, don't you want it to look as though, at least the perception, that it's a fair trial like Americans would expect? Well, the problem is, is that we started out with what most Republicans, and certainly the president, believe was not fair. But that so, wasn't a trial. So, well, that was the, this it, is the yeah. procedure where you're supposed to present witnesses. Right. And when you denied the president the ability to do this and you rigged the whole thing, and then you say, oh, but now we have to be fair— there are a lot of no, people but, that are going to say, uh-uh, too late. Right. But on that point, I guess as you're looking at this as fairly as possible, he didn't allow a lot of witnesses to come forward. He blocked it. Executive privilege. So, well, there you go. But it's still the fact that it's been blocked. So that that's what is – I think when people look at it, there's the potential for people to say they're railroading my president, and there's also the potential to say people are covering up the truth. Well, and know? this will be the first trial if there are no witnesses, and the way that the rules are lined up, there's a good chance that won't occur. But Andrew Johnson had 41 witnesses at his trial, and Bill Clinton had three. So this is the first time we won't even have uh, witnesses. It's already starting up as a theater, as we know, uh, Trump included a couple of familiar names <laughs> from the uh, Clinton impeachment trial. But, I mean, uh, Alan Dershowitz have been making his rounds over the weekend, and he's contradicting everything he said. In 1998, he said you cannot be impeached without committing a crime. Now he's saying you can't be. I mean, everything is, is, is going back and forth, back I have and to forth. Say, it's, I, it's, I <laughs> love these, these quotes from 1998 because they've totally flipped. I mean, exactly. there, there is Chuck Schumer. Saying, you know, we can't, this is partisan, this is terrible, et cetera, et cetera. Well, now he's totally flipped and he's on the other side. But it side. was bipartisan. The rules were decided bipartisan in the Clinton impeachment trial. The Democrats aren't even being heard. Going back to our earlier conversation about the Republicans not being versus... heard in the House. <laughs> right? But they were given the opportunity no. to. Both the no. president and his legal team were given the opportunity to come forward. They decided not to. And I remember almost their exact words. We'll just wait until we get to the Senate because they knew they were going to run that show. When you, the president should not be running. The Senate's on trial as well. The president should not be running his own uh, impeachment trial. Wasn't that a mistake, though, from I mean, even if he thought it, shouldn't he have not said it? That I'm in lockstep with the president all well, the way. I, I mean, I just, there's something about perception, uh, yeah. even if there's uh, something else going on behind the scenes. I just think the perception with Republicans was that this was a railroad job. Mm. And it was right from the start. And Democrats had absolutely no intention to be fair. They wanted to get him. 
Um, then testify. You, you know, if you have nothing to hide, then come well, forward and Well, you know, I keep going back to, uh, let me just see. I'll read you the headline. This is from the Washington Post, January 20th of 2017. Okay. The ca- front page, the campaign to impeach President Trump has begun. Mm. That was published at, I checked the time, 12.19 p.m., which is to say 19 minutes after Donald Trump was sworn in as president. There's no doubt there. Many people thought that he was headed for impeachment because of his behavior. They wanted to impeach him starting then. So therefore, what I'm saying is— But again, that's why I wonder. I mean, I just wonder, wouldn't you make sure you keep this guy as clean as possible if you know there are these people out there to get you? Wouldn't his behavior, the things that he did—I mean, a lot of the stuff he's done— could, he could have had underlings do it. If you wanted, uh, you know, Biden investigated, he didn't have to say it, right? He could have had somebody else do it. And, Where's and just Hunter? Out, and, and stayed <laughs> out of it. You know what I mean? Why didn't he just have his people do I, it and I think, stay out well, of it? Well, because it, by nature, he is a battler. A uh, We talk about battleground PA. Donald Trump is a battler. And he, and he believes to his core that when people come after you, you fight back. That, in fact, I think is one of his political strengths. That's one of the reasons why his supporters but I love wonder him if his biggest defense is sort of flawed. I mean, uh, over the weekend, again, some of his legal team was saying, "Oh, it doesn't matter if he did it or not. It's not. It's not criminal. It's not impeachment." Well, it certainly isn't. But 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 <clears throat> but but again, asking a foreign country to interfere in, in, in a presidential election by saying that it doesn't matter if he did that or he, not. He didn't. It's not criminal. He didn't. But oh. notice what they're saying. They're not saying he didn't do it. They're saying it doesn't matter because he can't be removed from office for it. Those are two look, different look, arguments. Here, here's the double standard at play. I found an article from August of 2016 written by Andrew McCarthy, who's now a uh, commentator in National Review. But he is most famously the former federal prosecutor who convicted the blind shake for the mm-hmm. 1993 ah, yes. uh, World yeah. Trade mm-hmm. Center bombing. Mm-hmm. So he's a serious lawyer. Yeah. And he pointed out in this business of the cash transfer to Iran, he says, forget the, the discussion about ransom. He says he believes it is, but forget that. He then went on to cite quite specific sections of U.S. law that forbid the United States government from giving, quote unquote, anything of value to Iran because of its terrorist tendencies. Barack Obama did that. So his point was Obama broke the law. And my point is if he broke the law then and we're going to impeach Donald Trump, shouldn't Barack Obama be prosecuted now for breaking the law? Because you're going to hear all all of this business about the president violated the law. Okay. I think all of that is fine. I think you may be able to go after a whole bunch of people for things. But I think the issue that I have is focus on this. This is the current president. He's the one that we need to make sure is protecting us and not selling us down down the river. But that's what we have to make sure of because there are half. But we've read the transcript. But half of Americans have fears and doubts, half of them. I think it's easy. So we, that's why in the Senate proceeding, don't you think we should do, they should be doing everything they can to settle the waters, to make sure those Americans who are skeptical or scared feel there's confidence, feel some confidence in the procedure. You I, know? I, I, and then we can deal with Obama and Clinton and all the I, other ones separately. I, I just think when you start the process out and being so massively unfair and being perceived that way, to then say, oh, now, now <laughs> that we don't have control of the process, we should be fair. So one final question. 
Are we all, are each one of you, because we've got to end it here, are you at all concerned about the repercussions of all of this on American democracy, on our faith in our system and on fairness of our, our, of our democratic processes and our institutions? And is that going to have any impact on, on Americans? Sure. I mean, I just think you don't go down this road. And, and I mean, the notion that we're trying to undo the 2016 election or overturn the 2020 election, which is, as we speak, 11 months away, is just nuts and, and bad. I mean, I'm perfectly willing to let our friends and neighbors here in Pennsylvania make their own decision in November. Leave it alone. I usually don't speak for other Democrats, but I will right now. We're, our focus is on beating Trump in 2020. We're not trying to overturn the 2016 election. Um, I do believe the Senate is on trial. Um, Americans already do not trust politicians. And I think if the, if the Republicans, the Democrats need three to four Republicans to allow witnesses. And I really hope that there are three to four reasonable uh, Republicans to allow witnesses, because I still say if you have nothing to hide, let witness, witnesses come forward on both sides. I'm not just saying... Um, According to the rules, the evidence from the House trial aren't even going to be admitted. So, again, if you have nothing to hide, let this be a fair, open trial for everyone. Well, on that, we're going to have to end it. I have to thank once again Jeffrey Lord and Rajette Harris for joining us today. It's been quite a discussion, lots more we could have delved into, but we got to leave it here. Thank you, and we hope to see you again soon on Battleground PA. This was Battleground PA. Be sure to rate and subscribe to us so you don't miss a beat. Have an idea for an episode? Tweet us at Battleground PA or email us at topics at battlegroundpa.org. Meanwhile, stay in the know between episodes on penlive.com. Battleground PA is hosted by PenLive's opinion and editor, Joyce Davis, and is produced by Penn Studios director, Salim Michelle McClouf, and edited by Martin Boutros. For more info and past episodes, visit us at battlegroundpa.org.